0: Hello, and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. Today is episode 24, and we're going to be interviewing Nikki P. Hi, Nikki. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic now that you're on the show. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's start with your childhood.
1: Okay. Um, so I am, my mom and dad had three girls. I am the baby of the three girls. Um, so I have two older sisters, um, Jill and Cindy, um, and my parents, um, divorced when I was four and my dad, so my mom was an alcoholic and, um, that's kind of what, you know, began their struggles and what caused the divorce kind of um so they divorced and during the custody battle my dad uh proved my mother unfit um so he got full custody of all three of us um uh we did have visitation after uh mom you know began to get sober and she was doing aa meetings and things like that um But from the time I was four till I was about eight, I lived with my dad. And um, I I still remember uh, there was a time where we were having visitation with my mom. And she kept us a little longer than she was supposed to. And I remember being at the double wide that she lived in. um, And I remember looking out the front door, the front window. And I saw my dad pull in, and I don't know. I I, I guess I sensed that he was angry. Um, but instantly, as soon as I saw him pull in and get out, um, I kind of ran to my mom and was scared. And uh, mom locked the door before he could get up to it, and um, he uh, he uh, was banging on it and you know yelling and scared me. Uh, he was trying to get in. Um, and at the time I didn't, I didn't think about it. I didn't realize it. I was really young. Um, but I mean, for him, for a parent, you know, all he's thinking is, you know, my daughters are in there with this, you know, with their mother who could very well be under the influence. Um, you know, so he was, he was scared for us is what he was. And and of course, you know, um, kind of came out as anger. Uh, anyway, he he was beating on the door and yelling, and he ended up kicking the door in. Scared me. Um, of course, I was crying, and uh, as little as I was, he kicked me up and kind of threw me over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes. And uh, I remember kicking and screaming and uh, punching his back and telling him that I didn't want to go with him, that I hated him, I wanted my mom. And, you know, just repeatedly kicking and screaming and telling him I hated him. Um, and my sister hid behind my mom. She's, she's about six years older than me. Um, so she's probably around 10 at this time. But she was hiding behind her because he, he, he scared us. You know, he was, he was very um, upset. And, uh, my mom was trying to call the police, um, and, you know, it really, really wouldn't have, you know, made a whole lot of difference in her case, because quite frankly, she was the one that was going against the order, but, um, he, my dad was, was, like, hanging the phone up, well, like, it was when the phones were on the wall, and you had a cord and everything, and you could, uh... You could just, you know, hang the phone up without it being on there with the button. Anyway, so um, wouldn't let her call and tried to get my sister to come with him, too. And she just kept hiding behind Mom and saying that she didn't want to go with him. Um, But anyway, uh, he did leave her there um, and got out with me. And I remember crying in the front seat of the truck. And I remember him saying something like uh you know um your mom is not in her right mind right now and um you know i'm just i'm just looking out for your safety um and i didn't i just i couldn't understand that at that time uh so i was very upset with him i was very angry um and then so fast forward uh you know away from that cuz um kind of all I remember from that point but uh, I remember going to counseling sessions um, at school with my sisters um, you know just about the divorce and dealing with all of uh, you know you've got three kids and two parents that are split and you know they can't see their mom so I, I just I really didn't understand everything that was going on at the time and So I was really sad, a lot. So uh, they thought that counseling sessions were kind of a necessary thing. And um, so we did that for for a while. It was not a very pretty divorce. It was very ugly. Um, But fast forward about four years from then, I was eight years old, and I was allowed to go see my mom more and stay the night more and it turned into kind of like a 50 50 custody situation because mom you know had been sober for quite some time at that point um so and then it it got to the point where I was able to actually start living with her I chose to live with her instead of my dad which I mean for, for the longest time I I didn't I didn't I loved my dad, but I didn't like my dad. I blamed my dad for a lot of things that I couldn't have possibly understood. Um, So uh, when I chose to live with my mom, I had a lot of resentment toward him, a lot of anger toward him, and I didn't want to go and see him. So for many years, um, I I stayed away from him as as much as I could. I just, I didn't want to be around it. Um. When I was uh, 10, I um, we, we, we moved around a lot. But when I was 10, I lived down the road from some kids that were older than me. And I started smoking cigarettes with the kids up the street. And um, then when I was 11, we moved to um, kind of a, a little town um, further, uh, like, I don't know, 20 minutes or so from where I grew up and uh, lived in New Haven. And in New Haven, there was a lot of riffraff. There was a lot of uh, a lot of drug drugs and and whatnot there. Um, So at 11, I started smoking weed.
0: That's very young.
1: It is very young. It was very young. Um, And my mom being, uh, you know, she was she, you know, she uh, being that young, I, I would imagine that you wouldn't think your child would be doing the things that they're doing when they're not around you with other kids. You know, I mean, she she had no idea. And I and I was I was slick. You know, I I, I had my ways of, uh, you know, buttering her up and winning her over. And, you know, um, you know, she she trusted me, which I mean, quite frankly, I don't <laughs> No, being a mother now. Don't trust your kids.
0: Uh, Okay. (laughs) uh, Good advice, I guess.
1: (laughs) You can trust that they will try and lie to you to to get around things. So you can definitely trust that. There you go. Um, So, but, uh, yeah, I started smoking weed. And um, and then, so I I just kind of dabbled in that for a couple of years. And um, fast forward a couple of years, we uh, moved back to Bardstown. Um. And I had some friends that, uh, you know, I, I, well, my best friend, I would go over to her house a lot, and uh, her dad was kind of absent. He worked a lot and then would go out drinking at nights with his friends and things like that, kind of a party, partier. And uh, so we were left at, uh, at her house by ourselves a lot. So we would get into, you know, his beer or, you know, vodka Uh, older friends would get us vodka and things like that. And we would make what's called, uh, what we call, uh, Skittles or, or, um, depending upon, uh, what color Kool-Aid you put in it. Sometimes we'd call it, uh, am I allowed to cuss? Can I cuss? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We'd call it Kentucky motherfucker. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, we would, we would drink, you know, Skittles or Kentucky motherfucker on the weekend and, uh, just, you know, get trashed. Um, 13 years old, really, you know, didn't have any business doing that shit. But anyway, um, so, uh, there was a few years there where I, where all I did was really, you know, drink and smoke weed, uh, on the weekends and smoke cigarettes. And, um, then uh, then actually there was about, uh, there was a little while there in high school when I, when I got into high school, about 14, um, No, I was about 15, so 15, 16, I got involved in FFA, so um, FFA, FFA is Future Farmers of America, (laughs) (laughs) but there was, there was more to it than like, like farming and and things like that, it was, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, science, uh, you know, animal science and things like that, so just, uh, and then there was what we had, uh, what we called um, you know, we would have like chapter meetings. So um, our, our chapter would get together and, and we would have, you know, discussions and things like that. And then uh, that's called parliamentary procedure. And then uh, that's how, you know, the FFA chapter would conduct meetings. And um, I actually began um, on like an actual team, it was a parliamentary procedure team that would compete and uh do things like that over the state. And uh I was on that team for a couple of years there and we went to state and one state and it was pretty cool. So but I mean I wasn't as actively uh drinking or as much or smoking as much whenever I was doing that because my my mind was occupied with other things. Um so <clears throat> And, uh, let's see. And then after, after a couple of years of that, I got into, um, drama, which, you know, theater, and I did a lot of, uh, musicals and things like that. Um, you know, really kind of active in school, uh, extracurriculars there for a while. And, um, I mean, again, you know, not a lot of drinking and and smoking on the weekends, but still kind of did. Um, and then, um, scene the extra
0: the extracurricular activities was it you trying to just like be a normal kid or are you trying to get away from things and kind of have time Uh, away from home
1: I think I think I was uh, just trying to I was trying to figure myself out um I was trying to I was trying to fit in and you know try to fit in and find where I where I wanted to fit in where I had most fun and um, I mean, that brings a, brings a good point. I, I, you know, for a long time, like I was, I was bullied in school because, uh, you know, I, I wasn't wearing cool enough clothes or I was, um, I was a, a, a hyper kid. So I was like real goofy and, uh, silly. And a lot of people, I guess, didn't like that because I was weird to them. Um, but, but quite frankly, if you had met, if anybody had met my older sister, I'm I'm exactly fucking like her. Um, so that's where I get it from. But, um, you know, kids my age didn't, didn't get it. You know, they, they just thought I was weird. Um, so, I mean, I I was bullied a, a lot, um, because of that. And, um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, um, I did the cheerleading thing for a few years. Um, You know, both my sisters were cheerleaders, um, so I tried that out, and and I enjoyed it. I really did, but I still never fit in with that crowd. Um, And then with FFA, I think I went that direction because I really liked the agriculture teachers that we had at my school, and they were kind of fun and silly and goofy, and I thought that I could, you know, be a part of that and be accepted but um actually uh, i remember uh, freshman year i went to ffa camp and uh later on found out that there was a whole cabin full of girls that had told one of the ag teachers that they didn't want to be in my uh, cabin because they found out i was bisexual so my freshman year is, is when I, you know, kind of let it out that I was bisexual and I had a girlfriend and everything. Um, and so a lot of people, you know, didn't like me because of that. Uh, it, was, it was kind of that time where being bisexual or being gay was not, um, was not really accepted. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't trendy, you know. So um, I had people that, you know, defriended me because of that um so but a whole cabin full of girls told um mr vincent that they didn't want to be in my my cabin because i was bisexual anyway so but i I enjoyed i enjoyed being a part of um you know the parliamentary procedure team and, and traveling to do um competitions and things so i stuck it out for a couple of years well a few years in high school um doing that and then um you know, found, um, drama. I started drama because, um, you know, my oldest sister was part of drama too. And the drama teacher, uh, was an amazing woman. She was fantastic. Um, she, uh, she later ended up passing from breast cancer, but I I miss that woman to this day. Um, but she, she was a big part of why I joined, uh, the drama department and, um, so I did that in um, my junior year. I was actually uh, the lead in one of the musicals that we did, which was that was really fun for me. Um, and I, I don't think anybody could have. Um, I mean, I, it's not not that I don't think that anybody could have, but the role that I played was perfect for me. I, did, I, I It was so much fun and um, I was really passionate about it. So um, not a whole lot of, like I said, not a whole lot of uh, drug use or or alcohol at that point, just because I was so focused on other things. Um, But uh, I definitely I found I found a group that I fit in with there because every kid that I hung out with in drama was crazy kooky like me and silly and alternative and eclectic and you know just really um I found a group of people that I really did fit in with um and especially like the teachers too like you know I, I'm still really good friends with one of my uh musical theater teachers um now so and actually he went to school with my oldest sister and was another reason why I started drama but anyway. um so so high school um yeah so and then my senior year uh let's see like the beginning well that that summer before my senior year i um was also hey i was also uh the manager of the wrestling team so i I was just the manager i didn't wrestle or anything like that i just did like scoring and and things like that at uh, tournaments and whatnot but I traveled with the wrestling team and one of the wrestlers on the team was I was close with him I was we were good friends Um, and uh, the the guy that I had been dating all through high school had broke up with me and uh, we had gotten back from a wrestling meet uh, that day and so when I got home and he you know boyfriend had broke up with me I called my friend that I had been hanging out with all day um, you know, to kind of come over because I was bummed out, I was crying and I just needed a friend and he, he was really close to where I lived. So I, I called him up and we sat on the front porch and, um, you know, talked and I cried and blah, blah. Uh, anyway, that night he, he ended up raping me. Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, so definitely was, you know, not what mm. I had intended um, and so, so yeah, so when I started my senior year, I was kind of going, I was going through a lot. Um, I was dealing with that and, uh, boyfriend that I had been dating for, you know, um, at this point, two and a half, three, three years, something like that. Um, you know, on and off breaking up with me all the time to go do what he wanted to do. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I was in a depression, and that's actually when I started cutting my leg um, I, I would cut myself to just just feel anything other than the sadness that I was feeling and and so I would cut and it would it would take my my mind somewhere else, and I would be focusing on that instead so um, so my senior year i i they put me on. Uh, antidepressant medication. They put me on, um, uh, they put me on Lamictal, which is a, a mood stabilizer. And, uh, I was diagnosed bipolar, um, because I mean, there were definitely times where I was okay and I was fine and happy. And, um, and then there would just instantly, you know, I just, I would, I would be sad and crying and, you know, just out of my mind, um, you know unhappy and it just it it looks like bipolar to them and, and of course since my mom is bipolar and my grandmother and an aunt is also bipolar you know it kind of runs in the family um you know it just kind of put it all together like you know what they they started treating me for bipolar disorder so um and then of course I, I started uh I started drinking a little bit more not I wasn't like super sloppy all the time or anything but definitely on the weekends with my friend uh, at her house I would drink a lot and um so so yeah so just very unhappy and because they put me on all these new medications I started gaining weight so I went from about 105 to almost 140 in a, a pretty short period of time um So, I mean, I was I was unhappy because of that, too. Uh, I felt I felt, you know, huge and um, being as little as I was for so long. It was a very big change for me. So I had all the, uh, you know, mental things that I was going through. Plus, you know, now the physical um, discomfort of being looking like I was overweight, and not pretty anymore. And, you know, I just kind of it got to me. So um, I set out on um, another really big role that they wanted to give me in uh, the spring musical. So I didn't do that. Um, You know, just things weren't as fun as they used to be because I was just, I was, I was miserable. I was unhappy. So I I didn't want to do any shows anymore. Um, You know, I, I started sleeping a lot in school, like my I had four classes my senior year, and the first three of them were with the same teacher, um, the teacher that I was friends with that went to school with my oldest sister. Um, He just kind of, you know, he, he knew that I was going through some things. And so I would go in his class in the morning for first period, and I would sleep through first period and sleep through second period in the same classroom. And then for third period, I would go to the auditorium, where it was literally just me, and it was musical, uh, I'm sorry, it was theatrical management. Basically, I took care of the auditorium. I cleaned the auditorium. when uh. So, and it was just me in that class. So, I would go into the auditorium, and I would just sleep. I would just curl up in one of the chairs, and I would just sleep for that period, too. And then fourth period was World Civ, which was a credit that I didn't need. So I slept through that class too, and and in all honesty, the the teacher that was in there she was she was notorious for being one of the meanest, hardest teachers. And uh, I think that you know she eventually noticed that I was going through some shit too, and uh, she would just she would just not bother me. She wouldn't even try to wake me up. She didn't even give me paperwork uh, because she knew I wasn't going to do it. So oh, and i and when I was awake in her class was which was very very seldom um she would kind of you know kind of talk to me because I sat in front of her desk so she would kind of talk to me and just be nice because she was not really a, a nice teacher like the kids hated her because she was so mean, but she was really she was nice to me because i I really think that she knew I was going through a lot of shit
0: that's good it's good to have so, teachers like that
1: yeah, no I, I mean I you know, looking back on it, I, I appreciate her immensely for you know understanding and not you know making that time harder for me than it already was. Because I, I didn't need I didn't need her credit. I didn't need her class. Um, I had the credits that you know I had. I had all my credits. Um, I was so I, I really there was no point in me. I mean, I, there was a point. I should have been learning because World Civ. You know, he, you kind of probably should know that shit, but I don't. Um, because I slept through that entire fucking class and failed it with an eight. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but, but thank goodness that she, you know, she was, she was just, she was very nice and understanding, um, during that time. But anyway, so I, I graduated and, uh. Um, what is your drug I, use at,
0: at this point? So you're graduating high school. Wh- what was your drug use looking like? Were you doing it daily? What were you taking? Any, if, if anything at all yet, yeah, I'm not sure.
1: Um, so just the occasional drinking on the weekends. Um,
0: so normal kid stuff.
1: Yeah. Normal kid stuff. Okay. So it wasn't till, let's see. So I'm 18 and I, I go out for uh, my 18th birthday with two girlfriends and I'd never been to a club before and I was able to go to a club. So we went to a club and I ended up meeting a guy that, was actually friends with my friend who I would drink at her house every weekend. Her older brother was friends with this guy. So I I meet him at this club and we like instantly hit it off. You know, he's super cute and nice and, you know, I knew him from when I was younger and I always had a crush on him, blah, blah, blah. And I finally was old enough to date the dude. Anyway, so we start dating and... I would say a few months, probably three, four months after we started dating. um, Hang on, I'm taking a drink. So about three, four months after we start dating, um, I find out that he has had an issue uh, with crack in the past. And so he relapsed and went off on a binge. And I couldn't find him, couldn't get a hold of him was really you know nervous and scared and uh one night he was supposed to come and pick me up and he hadn't shown up yet and it was unlike him and I called his mom and him you know his mom and I got together and we figured out that he had gone back out on a binge and was uh getting high and so that, that really scared me. Um, I really hadn't dealt with a lot of like hard drug use, um, other than, you know, just smoking weed and, and my, uh, drinking at, you know, a young age, I I hadn't dealt with any hard drug use or, or addiction or anything like that. So, um, you know, I was really scared. And, um, I I was in love with this guy, you know, like he was gonna, he was the one. And so, um, I started when when we, when we finally found him, um, you know, kind of got together and decided, Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna keep an eye on him, blah, blah, blah. I ended up staying the night there at his house for several weeks in a row. And, and eventually just got to the point where I was living there. Um, living there mainly to help keep an eye on him and make sure that, you know, he was kind of not going out and, and, uh, using, so he was, he was doing good for, for a while. And, um, I don't know, probably a year after all of that, um, I hadn't smoked weed in, in several, well, not several years, probably a couple of years. Um, and I was kind of against it. I really was, um, I didn't want, I didn't want to smoke. I didn't want to be around it. Um, and then, so when he started smoking weed, it kind of, it really angered me. And I couldn't, you know, being honest with myself, I I wasn't sure if it was because I felt like I couldn't and I was jealous or did I really not want to be a part of it? I I really couldn't figure it out, but I, I feel like now it was more because I, I was jealous. Um, so I eventually started smoking weed with him, and um, started smoking weed, and then we started um, uh, partying a lot, smoking weed, drinking a lot. Um, I was really—I was really a big Jaeger drinker. I loved Jaeger, and uh, started hanging out with some folks that um, really liked Xanaxes. So. Um, we ended up finding, we came across a six month supply bottle of Xanax. So we were, we were popping four or five of those a night and snorting, you know, multiples a night and drinking on top of it. So there was, there's probably about a year and a half, two years there that I don't fucking remember. Uh, really don't, really don't fucking remember it. Um, I, I mean, I remember bits and pieces, but, um, that's that's about it i I do remember that i got into my first fight uh and woke up really proud the next morning with a hole in my shirt and no blood on me whatsoever i I got the better of that person apparently uh from what from what people around me that remember what happened told me I, i i apparently beat somebody up for the first time don't remember it um And then, of course, since I was using, you know, Xanax and and drinking and whatnot, I was kind of, you know, in this, in this lifestyle now, you know, and, and so I started taking pain pills too, um, and, uh, you know, I was getting a buzz off of those, and then, um, when I turned 20, uh, I don't know, I woke up one morning and my ear was really, really hurting, uh, my right ear, and, um. Didn't know, didn't know what was going on. Thought I had a pimple inside my ear that was causing so much pain. So I went to the doctor, and uh, it was swollen. They couldn't see inside of it. They thought it was a pimple too, or a boil, or a cyst, or something like that. Anyway, they they tried lancing this bitch, and it just bled and bled and bled. There was it was not, it was not a. Um, a pimple or a cyst or, or anything like that. Um, and, and they couldn't, they couldn't figure out what it was. So I ended up having several MRIs. Um, nobody could tell me what, what it was, but I, I was having a lot of pain. So they were giving me pain pills. So I was, I was eating a lot of Loretab um, because of, of my ear pain. Uh, and because I, I enjoyed the, the feeling I got obviously.
0: Did you take um, did you take that stuff as prescribed when the doctor gave it to you or like for me for an example when I used to get pain pills I would be in pain all day but I still wouldn't take them so I can save them up for night and take like a couple at once to get high So
1: died. at first yes and then after a few 4 5 6 months whatever it was no I definitely started abusing them um, so I would take like ibuprofen um, throughout the day just to like, you know, kind of, kind of help keep it at bay, you know, keep the pain at bay. And then I would, I would take multiple at night when we were partying and and drinking Jaeger and shit. So, um, and I, I, I want to say that I was prescribed pain pills for probably about a year there. Um, probably should not have even remotely been taking them that long, but, um, I did. And then of course, whenever they stopped giving them to me, uh, prescribed, I would just get them somewhere else. Um,
0: they were easy to find. Yeah.
1: They were easy to find. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you can, you know, definitely pain pills were easy to find. Xanax were easy to find. Um, so so yeah, it wasn't a big deal to find find what I wanted. Um, now, a couple years after finding out, um, after you know the pain started, um, I ended up having my wisdom teeth taken out, and my oral surgeon that I went and saw um, noticed because I have a I have like a, a red blotch in in front of my right ear on kind of like on my face, just in front of my right ear uh, along my jawline. Um, there's like a red blotch and um, he saw that and he was like what is that and I told him I was like I have no idea they they you know I've been to the doctor several times for it nobody can tell me what it is he was like I know what it is and I was like oh my god please tell me what this is and he told me that it was a hemangioma tumor so little babies are, are born with like these strawberry birthmarks is what they call them and they're like these little red you know Blotchy, you know, skin stain um, on on whatever part of their body. Looks like a birthmark. Um, so that's that's what this looks like. And so but he was like, it's a hemangioma tumor. And so whenever he told me that, I ended up going back to an ENT that I had seen and told him, look, you know, you need to relook at these MRIs. And I, w- I was told it was a tumor. It's a tumor around my ear canal. So I have a a probably the size of a baseball, but it's, it's wrapped around my ear canal on the inside of my head there. So, um, they, they did check and yes, they did confirm that that's what it is. It's a, it's a mass of blood vessels. Um, just, you know, right there on my ear canal. So figured out finally what it was and what was causing so much pain was, it, it rests. It rests on my jaw, my jaw joint, so my TMJ, and because it was so swollen, um, and because I, I guess where I was using a lot of drugs at the time, I was clenching my teeth a lot. So clenching my teeth would aggravate that my my uh, TMJ, my jaw joint. And it would cause that area to swell. So the swelling was what was so painful. Um, And it was, you know, pressing against, you know, my my jaw. So what they decided to do was to refer me to a kind of a TMJ specialist is what he was. And um, fixed me up with this, like, it's kind of like a bite guard, but it's it's called a splint. So it keeps your your jaw, your, um, your teeth, uh, a certain distance apart while you're sleeping so that you can't grind or clench your teeth at night while you're sleeping. So I got that and started wearing that. And you know, the pain started to subside because my, my TMJ was not aggravated. It wasn't inflamed because of all the clenching I was doing. So I was supposed to wear this thing, especially at nighttime and then throughout the day, whenever I could. So, it helped significantly. Um, so, uh, anyway, got that figured out. And um, during, you know, kind of this time period, uh, I was, you know, still still doing, you know, pain pills. And I, I would take pain pills, Xanax, drink a lot, smoke weed, um, kind of a, you know, every day, every night, every weekend type thing. And um, we started hanging out with my ex. So wasn't my ex at the time, but he's my ex now. Started hanging out with this guy. And um, he uh, never would have noticed me before because I wasn't cool enough. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't smoking weed and everything, you know. So he would never have looked at me because he was super big into, you know, smoking weed and doing all the things all the things, right? So once I started doing all of these things and having fun and partying and whatnot, I became, I became hot Nikki. You know, I I was hot. So he started paying more attention to me. And I guess where, I don't know, I I liked the attention and he was very different from any guy I had dated before. I was kind of with a guy that was kind of countryfied and wasn't, wasn't really wasn't really I, I grew out of him I, I guess you would say um I started I guess you know exploring and discovering myself and found out that I really liked different um different things than than he liked like um art and um just uh, Gaga Lady Gaga became pretty popular at that point and, um, so I was kind of, you know, kind of weird and quirky and, you know, doing those types of things and, um, doing crazy makeup and wild nails. And, um, I was, I was just kind of, we were outgrowing each other as, as I was just not country like him anymore. And so this new guy, this guy that was starting to pay attention to me, um, was kind of up that alley, you know, and, um we started flirting kind of behind my, my boyfriend's back. And, uh, because I was flirting while I had a boyfriend that was even more attractive to this guy. And I was, I guess, um, excited that, you know, that was, you know, he was into that, you know, so it was exciting for me. It was it, looking back on it. It's fucking twisted is what it is. But, uh <laughs> i i enjoyed i enjoyed the secrecy i enjoyed the being sneaky uh it was exciting and um so you know we actually became very close we hadn't you know done a whole we we hadn't gotten physical or anything like that but we were very close friends for about a year this went on and um so finally you know um I ended up full blown cheating on the boyfriend, leaving the boyfriend and getting with this guy who is my children's father. Um, And, but just at that time, nobody could tell me anything about him. It was, I thought we had this amazing bond and, you know, we were best friends and, uh, you know, we loved, you know, hanging out together and um, smoking, drinking whatever it was. Um, so, I mean, like, we bonded over over sex and drugs and being sneaky with each other, and, um, you know, I, I never imagined that it would have turned into the shit show that it did. Um, so, but what ended up happening, what, what had happened was, um, so we were so in love and we just knew that you know we were the one for each other and so we decided we were going to start a family and, and be together forever and of course me i'm just i'm just fucking you know googly eyed in love and i thought i had just found the, the greatest thing in the world and um so i'm i'm just all in i'm all in and now that i looking back i know that he was not all i thought he was he he was definitely cheating on me and whatnot then too but um we we have we we get pregnant with my son and uh um i was really excited about well not at first at first i was scared shitless um and so was he um, but, I mean, we decided, you know, we were going to have this baby together. I mean, we were going to be a family. And um, I, was, I was to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a mom. I'm, I'm going to stop drinking and doing these things. And, um, I mean, I, I definitely had a hard time stopping smoking weed. Um, I actually didn't stop until I was about seven months pregnant. Um, but I actually went to like counseling sessions, um, for it and, um, worked with a social worker who was, um, who, who had a program that was specifically to help, uh, expecting mothers live more healthily and, you know, stop using. And, uh, so, I mean, I was very open with her about, you know, still continuing to smoke, smoke pot while pregnant and, um, So, I mean, but, you know, after seven months, um, you know, I I did actually stop completely. I was very proud of that. Um, It was really hard for me because I had smoked weed for 12, 13 years at that point. So it it was just really hard for me, especially being sick, too. And, you know, whenever you're nauseous, smoke a bowl and, you know, you feel better. So I, I did that a lot and I used it as a crutch. I, 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 looking back on it now, I, I definitely used it as a crutch, but I'm, but I'm so sick. I'm so nauseous. And if I just, if I just hit this bowl a couple of times, I'll be able to eat and it's better for my baby for me to eat. So, you know, I, I, I made a lot of excuses, but, but anyway, ended up uh, quitting and I was really excited about that. I didn't even smoke cigarettes while I was pregnant with him. So, I mean, it was a big thing for me and, um, so I finally moved in about a month before um, my son was born. I finally moved in with baby daddy. Uh, d- I really didn't want to, um, but I kind of felt like I like I had to. Um, but uh, while I was pregnant, I found out he cheated on me. Uh, that was kind of hard. Uh, here I am carrying this man's baby, and he's cheating on me. But, of course, you know, I was in love, and we had this amazing bond, and I understood, and whatever. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty. I didn't realize how abusive and manipulative he was until much later. But, um, so, moved in. We have this baby, and I'm for the first little bit there, I'm, I'm a great mom. I'm not smoking. I'm not doing any sort of drugs. I'm not drinking. I'm not, you know, I was, I was living a sober life for about, I don't know, seven months because I was breastfeeding and, and I loved that. I enjoyed, you know, breastfeeding my son. And, um, so I, and, but of course, you know, the breastfeeding, um, I, uh, I really couldn't, you know, do anything. I didn't want to harm him. So, Uh, But once my once my milk kind of dried up, I I couldn't produce anymore. So I had to stop. I had to stop breastfeeding. Um, So there we go. I I started vaping um, because vaping was really big at the time. So instead of smoking cigarettes, started smoking cigarettes again. I just started vaping. Um, And and that was kind of a hobby for a little bit. Uh, We would build different uh, coils and things like that for it to. Put, for us to put in our our mods and anyway whatever um so and then once i started doing that i don't know I for probably about three four months or so and i just said fuck this and I, I started smoking cigarettes again and um and then after i don't know probably um i don't know three months or so after three four i don't know I think Max was probably about a year, a year and some months. Um, my ear started hurting again, so I started taking pain pills again to help with that. And uh, could could it have been controlled with ibuprofen? Probably, but I instantly was like, "Yeah, I need pain pills. My ear hurts." Um, so I started taking pain pills again, and then there was one day where I couldn't get pain pills. And, um, so baby daddy was like, here, just try this, see if this helps. And what he did was he shaved me off a, a big line of Suboxone and told me to snort it. So I did. And, uh, because, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's not going to give me anything that's going to hurt me. You know, I, I, this is the man that I loved and father of my child. And, um, and of course, you know, so I just, I completely, you know, ignored any logic whatsoever and i snorted the line of suboxone and i loved it um i had energy i got up and cleaned my ear didn't bother me i just thought it was the greatest answer and so since he had been using suboxone for quite some time it was another thing for us to bond over you know so we we would snort a few lines of suboxone every day and um you know, um, of course I'm taking care of a baby full time and, um, you know, there's days I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't feel like doing anything. I was tired, you know, uh, mainly because I, I had no help from him. Um, I, you know, so, I mean, I was, I was getting interrupted sleep and anyway, I, I felt the need to have energy and the Suboxone wasn't giving me the energy I wanted anymore, Um, so, I got some Adderall, uh, from him, you know, he found somebody to get him some Adderall and and I had Adderall and that was great because I had all this energy to do all these things that I needed to do. And, um, so I, I mean, I took Adderall for, I don't know, I say probably three, four or five months. Hell, I don't remember timeline. I'm, I'm terrible with, but, um, there was one day I ran out of Adderall. Didn't have any, couldn't get any, couldn't find any. Ian comes home with methamphetamine. And he was like, here, just try this. This is the same thing as Adderall. And I'm like, okay, well, what is it? And he told me, and I was like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I really wasn't sure, but then I was like, you know, it's the same. If it's the same thing, then I might as well. So I, I snorted methamphetamine for the first time. And um, so... Yeah, Suboxone so and methamphetamine every day for about a year and a half um, was was definitely um, the the first time I, I snorted meth. That was that was the beginning of my downfall. Um, that ended up um, ended up me finding myself, you know, in recovery. So, but that's that really is where I started to hit my rock bottom. Um, so here I am, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, snorting Suboxone and meth every day. And, um, you know, it, it starts to take its toll pretty quickly. Um, you know, cause you, you're not eating, uh, you're not taking care of yourself. Um, cause you're not paying attention to any of that. You're just, you know, you're, you're jabbering on with all of your friends that, that do the same drugs as you and, um you know i'm trying to keep up with taking a, you know taking care of a a, a kid too and um, i mean max and i had had great days you know i would be up and cleaning and and we would do flash cards and i would teach him things about dinosaurs because i had energy to look up all of these things and and you know be engaged with my child so i mean i i was still i was still pretty Involved as a mother, but I was high as hell. I was high as hell, and um, there were there were times where I felt guilty. I would I would just I would just snort another line, and and I would let that fly out of my head. Um, but about about a a year into it, um, I mean, I was you know not sleeping at all. And I would be up four or five days in a row and finally fucking crash and would fall asleep on the couch with my son running around, you know, the house wide, wide fucking open. Um, and um, so I, and then, of course, I haven't even gotten into um, all of the all of the behind the scenes things, you know, with with me and, and baby daddy. Um, there was, what do you mean? So like while, while using meth, um, you know, we found out pretty early on when we started using it together, um, that it made you extremely horny, extremely horny. And so, and he was already kind of a porn guy anyway. And so, but he would, he would constantly be watching porn and, um, you know, that kind of, you know. Led to a lot of the, um, a lot of the things that he wanted me to do, uh, things that I didn't want to do. Um, really, um, I mean, aside from, you know, the occasional, um, you know, kinky thing that we would like to do together, um, it got worse. It got, um, it got to the point where he was constantly comparing me to you know, different videos and what they would do in the videos. And, um, then I, I, I found out that, um, he was cheating on me a lot and, um, I started snooping into that, uh, and found videos and, uh, signs of him cheating on me. So videos, I found videos of other girls using my toys and whatnot that he would use on me or I would use for him. Um, so, I mean, there was, there was a lot of, a lot of, uh, cheating,
0: um, a lot of of broken trust,
1: a lot of, yes. And, but at this point, um, he was, he was, um, he supplied my drugs and I was, I was hooked. Um, so I, I kind of did, you know, whatever he said. So that I, because I, I, at the time, you know, in my mind, I didn't have anywhere to go. Um, you know, he was my, my baby's daddy. Um, I was still in love with him. I was, I was a ridiculously, pathetically in, in love, I thought, with this guy. And he controlled everything that I did. I, I Honestly, I didn't leave the house. Um, I mean, on the occasional Day I did leave the house, it was only to go grocery shopping or something like that. Um, but I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of emotional, mental, sexual um, abuse. You know, the things that he would tell me, like he would yell at me and um, just make fun of me, and um, like I ended up suppressing a lot of my quirky personality because he would just call me stupid and say, you're acting like a fucking idiot. Stop. Um, you know, so, I mean, like I, I just completely dulled myself down and I mean, it got to the point where, you know, he was, he would tell me things like, all you are is a fuck toy. That's what you are. You're, you're here solely just to please me and do what I say. And I mean, he beat that into my brain and I I started believing it. Um, So, I mean, there were times where, um, he would, he would send, um, friends over to the house, his friends over to the house and, um, you know, to, to do whatever, to check on me or whatever the case. And, um, you know, he would want me to be dressed in, you know, my little, um, lingerie bra and outfit bra and underwear outfit type deal and of course there were there were times that I did that um but there were there were times I didn't do that and if I didn't do that then like humiliation would start um there was there was a time where uh for about 24 hours I was not allowed to use the actual toilet I had to use a bowl. Um, so, and then he, why was that, what me. was,
0: what was the purpose of that?
1: Humiliation. He, he wanted to humiliate me and embarrass me and make me feel like I wasn't a, a woman, a, a human, you know, he wanted me to feel like I was just there for his amusement, for his pleasure to, to, you know, treat however he wanted to treat me. Um, there were times where I was told to put on a collar and he would put a leash on me and make me, you know, crawl around the house following him. Um, there.
0: That's some terrible shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, granted, I, granted, I, I allowed it. Um, But I mean, like I said, you know, I I was I was hooked and he had what I what I needed and I was brainwashed. You know, this is the person that is supposed to love me and, and, you know, wants to be with me forever. And we have a baby together. And so, I mean, he was he was my fucking everything. So I I let him I let him treat me the way that he did. Um, Now, did I deserve it? No. Um, i'm I'm not saying that I deserved it I, I'm saying that I allowed it there's there's a difference uh, a lot of people would disagree um, but i I absolutely allowed it um, uh, because I wasn't right I wasn't in my right mind I really wasn't I was high as hell all the time I, all I wanted was drugs you know um, and I, I I was a junkie I got I, I did what I had to do to you know, keep my drugs that I wanted. Um, And and at this point, I was so addicted to the Suboxone that if I didn't have a line at least every six to eight hours, I was going into withdrawal. Uh, And that's really uncomfortable, especially trying to take care of, you know, a child. Um, You don't want to be going through withdrawal symptoms being the only person that's home with a child. Um, You know, your nerves are completely raw and... Um, it's just, it's not, it's just not ideal, um, which is exactly why parents shouldn't do drugs anyway. Um, so fast forward a little bit, um, definitely a lot of, uh, sexual and emotional and mental abuse, um, and a lot of drug abuse. Um, I end up getting pregnant with, uh, our second child, my daughter. And of course, at this point, I am, you know, I'm, I'm addicted to Suboxone and methamphetamine and, um, not in my right mind. And I didn't know I was pregnant for about three months. And when I finally realized I was pregnant, I broke the fuck down. I broke down. I was, I, I honestly, I was looking for ways to have an abortion, um, one reason because I didn't want to stop using drugs Two reason. I didn't want to bring another child into the household that I was living in. Um, and three being, I, I just, I didn't care about myself anymore. I, I didn't, there were days I wanted to die. Um, so I just, I didn't feel, I I definitely didn't want a second child at the time. Um, but of, of course, you know, there was no way to, um, I wasn't going to have an abortion. Even as far gone as I was, uh, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And quite frankly, um, he wouldn't have let me do that because, uh, it was just one other thing that he could take away from me. No, you're going to have this baby, you know, like this is our child and you're not going to do that, which I, I get it. I do. Um, but I mean, he, you know, he used even that, um, as a way to control me, but, um, anyway, so I, I didn't quit using drugs. Um, and the further along I got, uh, the more I wanted to use because I was nervous and sad and miserable and, um, uh, you know, continuously being, uh, used and abused and, um, it got, it got, actually it did, it got worse, uh, the bigger I got. So the, the bigger I got, um, the more sign there was and, and the more he used against me, you know, um, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be using because you're pregnant and people are going to say a lot of shit about you. And, uh, but here you go, um, you know go ahead and snort this line and, and we'll smoke some of this. And, um, it even got to the point where, um, and this is extremely fun, uh, to know, um, we were, we were snorting it, we were smoking it and, uh, we were dissolving it in hot water and, uh, shooting it into our butts. Um, so that's interesting. That Uh, is, that is, that is
0: very interesting.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Where so, did the yeah. idea, I have, to, I have to ask, where did the idea come from?
1: So, I mean, there were definitely a lot of things that were um, happening in, in that house as far as um, sex-wise goes um there was a lot of things that i was um you know i i was made to insert in his anus and there were things that he wanted me to insert in mine so butt play kind of um for lack of a better term came into play for us and i guess while talking to a friend of his they popped that idea in his head you know if you dissolve it if you dissolve you know this rock in some hot water a little bit of hot water it makes a d- you know a solution, and you can suck that up in a syringe and insert it into your butt and you get even higher you know quicker so we were we were snorting it, we were smoking it, and we were shooting it into our butts so, so you were
0: uh, just doing, another, any, any way you could think of you guys were doing it
1: right, except for uh a needle in the arm type thing, which uh fortunately um you know i I know. A lot of people do that, and I hate it. Uh, I hate it for them that they result to that. But uh, we, we, we never did. We never did do, and both of us were scared to death of needles like that, so we, we didn't go that route. We just, we just shot it into our butts with a syringe. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, fun fact. Um,
0: that is a fun fact.
1: I, I don't recommend it. I, I do not recommend it. Don't, don't use. Don't do meth and in any way shape or form
0: especially in the butt
1: especially in your butt absolutely (laughs) it's it burns believe it or not it burns but but anyway moving past that so we um you know we were we were constantly high constantly high and uh i was i was mother by daytime and nighttime i was um i was uh fucked away or, um, come dumpster, whatever he decided that he wanted to call me that night. And, um, there were several times where he would want, would, would have me be naked in front of friends, uh, at nighttime when they were over, um, to show me off, uh, or to humiliate me, whatever, whichever one. Um, and of course I did that. Um now there were definitely times where I was instructed to um cheat on him, quote unquote cheat on him. Um but I never I never could do that. Uh, I was I was too scared, honestly. Um I was too scared to do it because for fear of what he would do to me after. So I just didn't do it and I took the consequences after that. Um So, you know, usually just more humiliation or, um, you know, taking videos of me doing whatever twisted shit he wanted me to do. There's there's even probably uh, still a video out there of me uh, pretending to be raped on camera. Um, So, yeah, that was a thing. Um, But fast forward to December 28th 2017 so worst night of my fucking life uh still to this day um so I was I was about eight months pregnant at this point um so huge belly very uncomfortable very uncomfortable and exhausted just you know I mean I, I'm you know constantly snorting methamphetamine and um you know staying up all day taking care of our son and I'm pregnant which is draining in itself uh and then getting no sleep on top of it because at nighttime I'm um you know his personal uh toy um so I'm just fucking I'm I'm exhausted I'm drained and and physically emotionally mentally everything and um there he he comes in and um comes in and I'm pretty sure uh, he had been fucking somebody else. But um comes in and I think this is the night where he brought me someone's uh, someone else's brawn underwear to put on. Um, dirty underwear, mind you. Um so I had to put on her song and her underwear and uh pose for him and of course he would uh he told me what he had been doing and so I mean I'm I'm in tears and um because he's you know giving me this tale of what he's just been doing all night um and so the you know he's he's taping it um for humiliation to humiliate me and and you know because his me, me, crying and being upset and hysterical uh, made him more excited sexually. So, um, so after you know humiliating me with his tales of what he's been doing all night with these other girls, um, he tells me uh, he tells me to suck his dick, and I I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Number one, I was I was pregnant, huge, miserable sad not even sad hysterical uh over everything that he had just told me um so i I was i was definitely not in the mood um and not to mention the fact that he hadn't showered yet so there was definitely some other girl all over him um so that kind of added to it um but anyway at whatever point he starts um you know after telling me To do that multiple times, and me screaming and crying at him, no, I'm not gonna do that. And how can you do this to me? Um, You know, he starts. He grabs a trash bag and starts throwing my shit, all of my clothes and things, in this trash bag. And is like, I'm gonna call you a fucking taxi to get the fuck out of here because you ain't fucking staying in, you know, here anymore, bitch. You know, and just you know, threatening to kick me out of our own house. And um, you know. My son's asleep, so I'm I'm worried that the yelling and the screaming is going to wake up my child. Um, And so he's he's putting all my stuff in these bags, and then he's he's stringing stringing things up and down the hallway, you know, just my belongings and everything I fucking have in this house, throwing it everywhere. Um, He actually ended up picking up a shotgun and throwing it at the head of the bed at me, um, threw a remote at me. Um, and then whatever point decided that it was going to be a good idea to, um, press me down onto the bed and lay on top of me. Mind you, he's six, three, and at this time, probably 330 pounds, uh, laying on top of my eight month pregnant belly. I can't breathe. I'm crying. I'm hysterical. And so I'm trying to tell him I can't fucking breathe. Get off of me. And he pushes me up on the bed even more and proceeds to jam his fingers in my butt um, and then rape me on top of that. Um, So this whole time I'm, I'm screaming and crying and telling him, no, stop. Get off of me. And after he's done, he hops off and then he grabs me. And he kind of pushes me down to kneel on the floor and uh, forces himself in my mouth. And then I get taken to the bathroom and he dunks my head in the toilet that has uh, piss and cigarette butts in it. So dunks my head in the toilet and then throws me in the shower and turns the cold water on me. So. All the while he's screaming at me like, you know, awful things. Um, so just, you know, every name that he can call me and, and making me feel just, just fucking awful. Uh, so, and, and little did he know, actually, um, before, you know, it got really bad. I actually ended up, um, turning record on, on my phone. So I have audio of this still this to this day, um, I have not listened to it forever for obvious reasons. That would be terribly, um, yeah, it would probably make me feel pretty awful. But anyway, I I do still have that recording. Um, because I mean, I, I I didn't believe like if anything was to happen, like I, I didn't think people would believe me. So I thought I had to get some sort of proof of all the things that he, he does to me or did to me. So, I felt like if it ever came down to it, like a custody battle or something like that, I would have proof of him abusing me.
0: It's it's very sad, but smart.
1: Yeah. So, um, and actually there were, there were, you know, all throughout this whole time period, you know, I, I, I had just random recordings, um, of him just being fucking awful. The shit that he would say to me, you know, and, and, um, Names that he would call me like cunt holes and and fuck toy and cum dumpster and just just degrading, you know, just sexual abuse, Um, mental, emotional, just extremely abusive. And um, so but this this was the worst night ever that it had. I mean, it had been pretty bad before, but not as bad as this night. So, actually, this is the last night that I ever used methamphetamine. So, it woke me up to, I've got to get the fuck out of this place someday. And I'm not going to be able to do it if he has meth over my head. So, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get away with, he, with you know from him if I'm addicted to meth. So, I stopped using and... It was hard. It really was. Um, it was really hard. Um, but I think I used the hatred that I started to feel toward him um, as fuel to no, fuck you, motherfucker. I'm going to show you. Uh, I don't need. I don't need your fucking drugs. Now I still needed the Suboxone just because. That's. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't go six, seven, eight hours without having Suboxone without withdrawals. So I was like, you know, one, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. So I got off of that. Um, and, and that was about, like I said, December 28th was the last time I, I used meth. So my daughter, um, so fast forward to January, um, you know, hard as hell to get off of, off of this shit. Um, whenever I finally went into labor, it was January 30th at 5 a.m. in the morning and no I wasn't woken up by uh, labor pains I was already awake because he wouldn't leave me the fuck alone um, trying to have sex and and everything Um, and I was just I was so tired and we had been fighting and um, you know he even tried to like coax me into using again um, and it would be fun and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. I'm just tired. And and so I was laying there trying to get comfortable to go to sleep. And he's just trying to like, he's just trying to fuck. So, but, you know, around five o'clock, I started having really bad back pain. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Can you please get the fuck off of me? And, um you know it, it 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 continued for you know like throughout the hour and i was like i, I finally i was like i think i'm in labor and he was like fuck and, then, and of course it was my fault and um you know it was just so inconvenient for him that he hadn't gotten his nut yet um so inconvenient that i just went into labor How, you know i couldn't i couldn't hold on for a little longer so um, I, I, I call, you know, and I'm, I'm telling my mom, look, I think I'm in labor. And, and I completely forgot to tell you the fact that um, I didn't have a doctor at this point, because uh, at 30 weeks, my doctor found out my, my gynecologist or my obstetrician found out that I was using drugs and completely kicked me out from ever coming back to his practice. Um, so I was banned from from my obstetrician. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a a baby doctor at this time. So I didn't have a doctor to call when I went into labor. Um, So I was actually just in kind of guided to um, a a hospital that's about an hour away because they have, um, they have uh, like a, a children's center, like a NICU and just just knowing that my daughter would end up needing a NICU, so um, so I was like, "Yeah, we need to we need to go to Norton. Uh, we need to go ahead and head there." And so, about I don't know, seven o'clock in the morning, we we wake Max up and take him to uh, uh, Baby Daddy's mom's house and um, uh, to drop him off, so that you know we could go to the hospital. Well. About like I said, about seven seven thirty in the morning when we dropped him off, and from seven thirty on till I I didn't get to the hospital till like two o'clock that afternoon, because all of that time seven thirty in the morning till two o'clock was spent riding around town trying to find the drugs that he needed for this hospital stay. So I'm in fucking labor. And he's riding around trying to find his drugs. So, and of course, I can't say anything because what's he going to do? Yell at me some more and probably, you know, put me on the side of the road or something. I wouldn't have put it past him. So I just, I just held on as long as I fucking could. And uh, finally, when we got to the hospital, I had my mom meet me there. And he dropped me off at the front and was like, yeah, I'm going to go fucking park this car. And, uh, I'll see you in a little while. Okay. So I walk in, go meet my mom and we get to the kind of like the check-in area and the nurse is asking me questions like, you know, um, who's your doctor? Uh, how far along are you? Blah, 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 all these things. And I, I just broke down and I told the nurse and I told my mom, Everything I had been doing um, and that I was uh, using meth and Suboxone while I was pregnant and I needed help and my daughter was going to need help and I was scared of him. And so um, I just I just came clean about everything and it was really hard for me to do. Uh, obviously I I was you know I was hysterically crying and whatnot Um, not only you know just admitting like the worst thing that I've ever done was you know using while I was pregnant with my daughter and then and then just the uncomfortability of you know being in labor and and nervous you know giving about to get birth to another kid you know I mean it's just there was so much and um but I, I, I got it all out and um, you know, I, I, they gave me epidural and, um, I, I waited for this baby girl to come and, um, so finally, I, I you know, I, she, she comes out and she's huge. She's eight pounds, four ounces. Um, and probably because I was, I had gestational diabetes that was completely un, unmanaged, um, and typically, whenever you have gestational diabetes and it's not managed, it, you tend to have a, a larger child. I mean, my son was six pounds, like four ounces, or six pounds twelve ounces, and she was eight four, so like significantly bigger baby with this unmanaged diabetes. Um, so, little bitty old me, you know, if you can only imagine, a five foot four. 105 pound girl having an eight pound four ounce baby like it was I was I was very small and she was very large for me so um so yeah she was kind of hard to push out but um got her out and um I I did breastfeed her um I did breastfeed her whenever she you know kind of was first laying on my chest and everything and uh then somebody comes in one of the nurses comes in and they're like what are you doing and I'm like she was hungry so I just you know I, I was I, I popped popped my boob in there <laughs> she was like honey you can't breastfeed you if you've been on Suboxin," and I was like oh yeah so I had I had almost forgotten at this point, you know, because I was feeling joy and, and love that I just pushed this child out and, you know, she's on my, my chest. And anyway, so I got lost in that for a little bit and, uh, you know, just real quick jerked away from me and, um, you know, I couldn't breastfeed her. So I was really bummed about that. And, but, you know, I I did it to myself and I reminded myself of that, you know, I, I, you did this to you, so you don't, you don't deserve to, to be able to breastfeed your child. Um, you shouldn't have been doing stupid shit. So, uh, so yeah, for the first um, 24 hours, she was, she was good. She was okay. And she was in my room with me and, um, you know, was sleeping good, um, you know, eating good. And then uh, the next day while she was eating, she like apparently babies are supposed to whenever they're eating, they're supposed to suck, suck, uh, suck, 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 breathe, suck, 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 breathe. And she was not doing that. She wasn't breathing like while she was eating. So she started to turn kind of gray. And um, the nurse kind of like put her down you know like real quick she saw it and she was like put her down put her down put her down take the bottle out she kind of you know was was panicked and um you know kind of she started tapping on her forehead and um just trying to get her attention and like get her to breathe is what she was trying to do and so you know Margot, you know she she took a breath she was she was okay but that was an early sign of withdrawal symptoms so because I had been on Suboxone, um, they they called it opioid um, opioid induced respiratory distress is what it is. I think. Um, so she was she was having breathing issues because of of the opioid abuse. So they put her they put her in the NICU, and initially. They were like oh well she's gonna be in here for at least six weeks you know we've we've got to put her on morphine to make her comfortable through these withdrawal symptoms and then we have to wean her off of the morphine after she gets through it all and so of course you know uh, major i feel like a major fuck up um and uh but i i knew i knew that i i knew that we were in the right place um and i knew that they were going to take care of her so but once they took her to the NICU, uh, he left. He he just he just left me. Left me there in the hospital and was like, I'm going the fuck home. Call me whenever you're you're coming home. And in all honesty, I was thankful. I was thankful that he left. Um, I didn't want to fucking be around him anyway. And I, I was I was, you know, trying to plan in my head how I was gonna stay away from him. And, um, you know, he, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even sign the papers to be put on her birth certificate. Like he, he even, he even accused me of, um, her not being his because she came out, you know, my color, like he's, he's mixed. And my son is, is very tan, uh, and noticeably mixed. Um, but Margo Margo just, she just looked like a little white baby girl, you know. Um, So he accused me of cheating on him and that that wasn't his kid. And um, which, you know, in my mind, I knew for 100, no, I knew for a, a million percent sure that it was his because I hadn't had sex with anybody else. I hadn't been with anybody else. I was too scared to even look at another dude, let alone have sex with him to have a baby. So I knew that she was his. And, um, so yeah, he, he left me in the hospital and, um, so I, I, next couple of days, you know, I'm, I'm healing from birth and she's in the NICU and she's, you know, she's doing okay. Um, and I'm, I'm visiting, but at the same time I am, you know, all day and all night just tossing and turning, sweating, cold chills, everything in this bed, um, you know, just from withdrawal. Yeah, from withdrawal. Um, so um, and, and actually two days is standard uh, that you stay in the hospital after having a child. Um, but I I actually got to stay an extra day. I got to stay three days because number one, she was in the NICU and number two, they wanted to continue to keep an eye on me and make sure that I was going to go through, you know, everything okay and not need any, you know, medical attention. Um, so, uh, and of course, um, that second night that I was in there, uh, had a visit from a social worker, which I knew was coming. I was prepared for it. Um, and I was just I was just going to be fucking honest about it I was going to be honest about everything no matter what happened I needed I needed to be honest and I needed to I needed I needed help to get out of going back there ever again so I I didn't lie I didn't hide anything um you know I I told the social worker everything and um so of course, you know, after she took her report, um she contacted CPS. Again, I knew that was going to happen. Um I, you know, I I was ready for it. I was ready to take responsibility for everything that had been happening. And um I got out of the hospital that Saturday. No, I'm sorry, Friday. That sat that Friday. And um when I was being discharged, Um, I called my mom because I wanted my mom to come get me because I I didn't want to go home with him, especially with all of the, um, you know, help I was going to be needing with after birth and everything like, you know, you've got stitches and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I didn't want him helping me with all that. I wanted my mom. And so I had mom come and get me and I informed him that I was leaving the hospital and I was going to my mom's to stay. And he went the fuck off on me because i was leaving her there at the hospital and i was like i don't i don't have a choice like they're discharging me from the hospital i have to leave i can't stay here with her i even asked them they were like no we're sorry you can visit her every day but you can't you know we 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 can't allow you to stay here any anymore so i mean understandably so It's just not something that they do. So um, he was pissed that I was leaving her in the hospital by herself. And, um, you know, the the guy that yelled at me and got pissed off at me and said that it wasn't even his child. And he wasn't going to sign any papers because it wasn't his child. Um, He's pissed off at me now because uh, I'm leaving our child at the hospital because I have no choice. Because she's in the fucking NICU. So anyway, I go home to my mom's and um, I, I go, uh, you know, on it's Friday when I'm released and Monday, that following Monday, starting February off with a bang, there's CPS at the front door. So, yeah, you know, um, again, I was taking responsibility for everything I've done. I told her everything. I told her how I did this, this, and this, and, you know, um, you know, this is what we were doing together, blah, blah, blah. I was honest about all of it. And um, so after telling her everything that that went down, she was like, well, I appreciate you being honest with me and telling me everything, um, but... At this time, it is in um, the children's best interest that we place them temporarily uh, with, you know, grandparents. And I was like, "So you're taking custody away from me?" And she was like, "Temporarily." And I just, I fucking lost it. I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but I wasn't, but I didn't know it was going to happen, you know. So it, it was the most one of the most heart-wrenching things that i have ever felt and so you know max was going to be staying with um you know uh baby daddy's mom um and then when Margot is released from the hospital she can come here and be with your mom is what she told me so um temporary custody of max went to um his mother and then temporary custody of my daughter would go to my mom. Um, so,
0: so how was it like getting sober? Fast forwarding a little bit. What was it like? I mean, was it, did you go cold Turkey? Did you have any assistance from a doctor any medication or had that happened?
1: No. Um, once hmm. I, that meeting with CPS, I, the, the following day, went to um, a it was it's Communicare, it's like a, a therapy um, counseling whatever and they have an IOP um, they have an IOP program so kind of you know a, a outpatient uh, recovery program type thing yep and I enrolled in that um, so three times a week for the first three months I would go to group. And they would randomly drug test us, and we would talk about, you know, recovery and share, you know, just experiences and things and whatnot. Um, And then uh, for two months after that, I went twice a week, and then that last month, I would go once a week. So, I I did six months of outpatient rehab. Um, And I I didn't use, uh, so my daughter was born. Um, January 30th that was that that morning was the last time that I snorted Suboxone so I had I hadn't done anything since um now I mean uh, after about a year and a half two years of, of recovery I uh, I allowed myself to drink a glass of wine and so occasionally I'll have I'll have wine but um I mean I haven't uh you know no drugs uh, since January 31st. So that's the, that's the first day that I didn't do anything and haven't done anything since. So January 31st, 2018 is my clean date.
0: That's awesome. It's that's, that's really yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah. So after, after all of that, while I was going through group and everything, um, I mean, I had, um, no kids, um, you know, to be responsible for at that time. So I focused on group and I got my old job back and I was working, um, and, um, and then at the end of 2018, um, the place I was working, they actually shut us down. Um, and then I got a job. Um, so December, 2018 is when they closed January, 2019. I started, um, with a phone company, a phone, a cell phone company selling cell phones. I was, uh, offered the assistant manager's position, which is, you know, I never would have imagined I'd being an assistant manager of a fucking store, but I did that. And then let's see, uh, January, February, March, April, May, June. So five months later, I was promoted to manager. Never would have fucking saw that coming either. Uh, didn't didn't ever see myself as as running a whole fucking store. Um. So did that. So I, I was um, I was a manager there for two and a half years, and then earlier this year, um, I left there because I got an opportunity to work at a bank. Um, That, you know, is really close to me here in town as a branch banker. So now I make the most money I've ever made in my life uh, at a really good job with a really good company. um, And people would not even remotely have thought that I'd ever um, snorted methamphetamine and shot it up my butt.
0: (laughs) who would have thunk
1: people never people don't see that you know they, they they don't picture me as that type of person you know like but yes i have come from you know i've i've come from a fucking shit storm you know and and i you have I'm doing, survived i have i have my own vehicle it's you know owned i own it no payments nothing it's mine um i i pay ridiculous fucking rent but I've been pre-approved for uh 190k mortgage loan so I'm looking for a house now I take care of my children full-time they do not have contact with their father I don't allow him to see them because he's still actively using um but I I am mom and dad now rocking this fucking life that I have uh and worked very hard for so
0: that's awesome. Super proud of you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: That is quite the story you have there.
1: Um, what was it? Oh god, did I did I really talk for an hour and 46 minutes?
0: Oh yeah, for approximately yeah, approximately.
1: Jesus.
0: Oh yeah, you went on. So,
1: Oh. Oh god, sorry. Do
0: you have <laughs> no, Oh, don't be sorry. This is going this is an epic epic podcast episode. Um people have to listen in sessions. No, I'm kidding. But (laughs) for people that are listening, do you have anything you want to say to them? Any advice, anything that you did or you think they shouldn't do? Anything at all?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I mean, just something as simple as, and I say it a lot, um, you know, keep moving forward. Um, You know, if, if if you start on this recovery journey, um, you know, just don't fucking look back, keep, keep moving forward. Um, and it's, it's a little harder at the beginning, um, but it's so fucking worth it. It really is. It's, it's, it's definitely the best thing that I've ever done for myself in my life. Um, so just, just do it and, and keep moving forward. Don't fucking look back.
0: That is some awesome advice. Just keep going. Yeah, I
1: mean, one day at a time. Just just keep going. So, yep.
0: All right, well, I want to thank you so much for that epic story. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today, so thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, and for anyone listening, if you like what you heard, give us a rating on iTunes. Definitely check out our website, www.addicts-anonymous.com, where we have a blog going there. We also have our Facebook group, and check out our Zoom meetings, which you can find under the events tab on the Facebook group. So if you're interested, check out the schedule there, and you can always join us. And for everyone listening, thanks for listening, and until next time.